0: Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Longlegs. You know me, Daddy T, okay, aka Mommy, Daddy, and Baby. This is You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where comedians confess something they want to get off their chest. Um, Today, if you're listening to this when it comes out, February 17th, Wednesday at 7 p.m pacific time I will be going live on OnlyFans to read from my James Joyce book of letters um you may have heard me read from it if you remember the episode with James the third um it's just kind of a silly book I got because I read an article about these naughty letters he wrote to his girlfriend and they're they're really like f- they're really raunchy but they're fun and I've kind of like wanted to do this show or something with it in the back of my head, thinking like it'd be a fun Valentine's Day show, but, you know, COVID and whatever. So I'm just keeping it real simple. We're just going to have a little bit of fun and laugh and read um, these sort of raunchy letters um, on live. So you can follow me, Teresa Lee, on OnlyFans.com. Um, if you're a confidant and you've never used OnlyFans and, you know, you have doubts about it, You could email me, I'll give you a free uh, trial, month trial, but um, I'm new to it as well, and I'm, what I've been told is there are a lot more creators joining it and kind of using it the way they, like, creating their own space, so that's what I'm doing with it, I'm having fun, I'm doing weird, wow, my oven literally just made a very scary noise, I don't know if you guys could hear that. I don't, it literally sounded like a ghost. I'm not gonna erase this in case the ghost gets me. Um, But, join, yeah, onlyfans.com slash Teresa Lee. A lot of me confessing to uh, old feelings, reading old diary entries, reading old poems, you know, just having fun. Um, It's my emotional glory hole. So in case you're not aware, I've gotten rid of my Super Confident Newsletter. So that's basically taking the place and I'll be doing more with it than I did with the Confidant Newsletter um, because it's a wider audience. And yeah, that's it. These are the only announcements. I don't have many announcements today. Um, we do. Today's guest is Sophia Alexandra. So, so funny. Love her so much. Um, she's taking over hosting the comedy quarantine show. Um, I, I believe the new name is Self Care. So. I may pop up here and there on that show, but um, we had to pass the torch on. Just, you know, need need a little switch of pace. Uh, Love Sophia so much. She does talk about some um, serious topics. So if you are triggered by uh, miscarriage or, you know, the idea of that, you know, if that's a sensitive topic for issue for you, um, you might want to skip this one. Um, But, you know, I really appreciated her sharing her story and, thought, uh, we had a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. All right. This is Sophia Alexandra.
1: You can tell her, you can tell her anything.
0: She's a real Up. It's your girl, Father Longlegs. This is Daddy T. You know me, Teresa Lee. This is you can tell me anything. It's the podcast where comedians confess something they want to get off their chest or they've never told anyone. Really, it's loosened up since uh, the pandemic. Now I just um, talk to people I miss and uh, we get into stuff. So I'm very excited to have on my show today. It's so, so funny. She has an album out called Father's Day. And you can actually buy earrings that say Daddy Issues. They're awesome. Uh, It is Sophia Alexandra. Hello. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, I do feel like I've seen you um, more because of comedy quarantine this year. Like we've like doing this Instagram show, I've like just interact with you more, I feel like, uh, than just seeing you around comedy, which is kind of a funny thing because I know I haven't seen anyone at all, but...
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of wild. Yeah, I totally feel like we've had intimate conversations, (laughs) even though they were on like Instagram live in front of strangers. (laughs) But it does feel like, yeah, we've hung out more than we usually would, which is really nice. And I hope we hang out more when this is all over. (laughs) Yeah, that is nice.
0: Um, Well, speaking of nice, I like to start by asking my guests for a good confession just to start on a positive note. Um, It could just be like a short little humble brag or something you're enjoying lately. Is there something good you want to confess?
1: Yeah, I have um, I guess I've become the Lady Seth Rogen because <laughs> I've really gotten into clay pots okay.
0: lately. <laughs> Whoa, wait, like, like making them? Yes. <gasps> That's so cool. So I don't
1: have like a kiln and I don't throw. I do pinch pots, uh-huh. which you just shape with your hands. That's awesome. And uh, I make little pots for succulents. Aww. And I've also made some ring holders that look like tentacles. Whoa um it's been really fun and I forgot how nice it is to do things uh (laughs) without expecting anything out of it yeah like because so much of our creativity (laughs) as comedians is like you're being creative but you have to make sure you're being smart with your creativity because like there's not an infinite amount of time to like and (laughs) oh my god we all need work and also we all want to like make it quote unquote so I feel like it's been really nice and freeing to just be like this is a pot
0: (laughs) that's awesome I feel like in I feel like I've heard a lot of that like um people getting into crafts and stuff during quarantine and I definitely uh, relate to the part where it doesn't have to be good I'm sure yours are great but I I'm like painting really bad stuff we talked about this right before this started but I have an OnlyFans now for kind of that reason like things that I feel I need to like talk about or get out there that I'm like this will not this will lower my batting average of funniness so I need to put it (laughs) behind a paywall
1: i love that seriously you weren't like that's for patreon that is for <laughs> only fans i just think that's so funny most people are like my most sacred thing that i have to put behind a paywall is my hole my and you're like oh yeah that's <laughs> for, for me, me well i just don't, don't think my my i can
0: monetize uh i mean not i'm truly i know it sounds silly because i'm not saying it like a, i'm not hot i know we were like joking about that but it's like it's not a skill like it's to me that it's a skill some people have then you have to put a lot of time and energy into marketing yourself for your body and if I were to like it'd be like an improviser doing stand up, I feel like if I was just like also look at my naked body but watch my joke like it just it it just feels like kind of cheating the system in a way that doesn't benefit me or my audience so that's why for me i call them like brain nudes because they are things that i care about but it's stuff that i'm like i know i'm supposed to be filtering this but if you want unfiltered like thoughts (laughs) they're here
1: (laughs) dude brain nudes is fucking fire did you do you have like (laughs) a website or fucking merch or something maybe i have a series on on OnlyFans
0: called emotional glory hole and i read like old diary entries and um poems that i've written that are really cringy but I also feel but a dude, need to get it dude, brain nude
1: shirt, okay? It's the brain shaped like a butt.
0: <laughs> Come on! It's Yo, all right there, Teresa. Oh my right God, there, that is Teresa. So great. You are the queen of merch. I might, yeah. <laughs> I don't think brains are very sexy. Not like intelligence, but the the, the squiggly lines of brains to me have always Yes, visually, no. Um, but <laughs> I love that. I love the, um, the clay too, because uh, I don't know. It's funny that you said Seth Rogen, but I recently started following this uh, lesbian cl- potter on TikTok because she posted like a really thirst one of her like doing making clay pots and she's just like staring sultrily into the camera and it's like the weekends playing and um, I feel like that's a genre now it's just like like hot lesbians making clay or making pots and see now <laughs> I'm like mad because like I'm just crying I'm no. like a sad bisexual no, that's exactly when I pot it. like, she's emotional. like oh I'm sultry I'm no, like no I'm sad crying does not Okay. First of all, I have to say that crying is not the opposite wet, of, of hot. Okay. You, it, it's very hot to be an emotionally three-dimensional person. So I do, <laughs> I don't discount crying. I mean, I don't think hot crying itself is hot, but I think being an emotional three-dimensional person is a good thing.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. But you know, it c- tears really do have their place in pottery because you have to keep keep the clay wet or it gets too dry
0: so you just let the tears flow
1: right into the little pot wow
0: that's so beautiful you feel like these are made with my tears I mean yo that's really good marketing uh, who's uh, the queen of merch now (laughs) Teresa oh my god we should start a brand um well (laughs) Sophia um before we get too into it I uh because I started this podcast uh based on my own experience of going to therapy late and then realizing how Wonderful it was to just be able to talk about things openly. I like to ask my guests like, what What is your relationship with therapy, and um, have you gone? Like, do you like it? There's no right or wrong answer. We've really gotten the gamut of um, answers. So just to get a sense of sort of where everyone is coming from. I am definitely in therapy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, very proud yeah, that's I <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, I've been off and on in therapy since I was. Let's see. 17 or 18 years old mm-hmm. something like that when I went to college um I my uh psychology teacher kind of diagnosed me as being bipolar your
0: teacher yeah they
1: I mean she wasn't Dang. like this is what you are she's uh. like a lot of what you're saying to me she was like gently oh, wow. sounds like it might be symptoms of uh. bipolar so you might want to check it out she wasn't like yo uh-huh. I've I've psychoanalyzed <laughs> you, I'm like this is what's up. Like we were friends. Gotcha. You know? Okay. She
0: was a really nice were teacher. Were you a psychology major?
1: Um, I and before I ended up being uh, an English and Russian major, I was gonna yeah, I was Whoa, gonna be a psychology so cool. major because I took psychology classes um when I was in high school. Like I went to Santa Monica College uh-huh. when I was like thirteen or something, oh, wow. uh over the summer. So I just been taking summer classes there, and I had a lot of the like general requirements for the psychology psychology major already done before I got there Mm. so it kind of seemed to make sense to be a psychology major but then I was like oh no
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they should teach more well not just psych, but like brain development neuros neuro development in um grade school because yeah it's really my sister took psych in high school I didn't but through second hand she would tell me about stuff and that at least, like, wet my appetite for like wanting to understand human behavior, and I think everyone should learn that. It's, it's strange oh, that we don't teach that in school, <laughs> but
1: yeah. And I also just really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, uh, like, I end up being kind of like a a, a shoulder to cry on and a listener, mm-hmm. and someone people come to advice to, like, my friends anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think that psychology, like, stuff stays with you if you're someone that is really curious about how things work and if you like talking to people, if you like helping, if you like being that person, then I think you can still apply all that stuff in your regular life. That's true.
0: I do think about that, like, as comedians, like, well, before when we were allowed to, like, travel and be out and about, Mm -hmm. we have a very, like, specific set of skills that I – Used to just, you know, people would say like, oh, you can get on stage and things like that. But to me, I think about being able to almost go anywhere and like show up at a like strange place and just get on stage and talk kind of in a way where, you know, already you're going to connect. And if you don't, you know what that like, you know, the negative space. If you're in a room with people that h- absolutely can't connect, you also have information about them, if that makes sense, because of all the data oh, yeah. you've collected from. Now it sounds like I'm like collecting data on purpose, but it's just like indirectly by traveling and doing jokes, you have all this data on people's reactions and behaviors and emotions um, in a way that helps you sort of like live in the world in a more self-aware way. Hopefully, maybe not all comedians, but.
1: Oh, I 100% agree with that. And I think psychology is like, you know, when people ask like what skills, I guess, well, no one even really asked that. Um, people are like, <laughs> what's it like to be a woman a, comedian? You know, a the- <laughs> <Is>
0: that-
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like faking a good question someone would ask me instead of just like what it's like to be a female comedian. Um, but yeah, if someone would ever have asked me uh, mm-hmm. about like what skills are involved in being a good comedian, I feel like so much of what we do is uh, be like, different levels of good at a a million things but the things we do end up being really good at are salesmanship (sighs) you know Uh because all you do is sell yourself over and over again I don't even mean like make flyers and get people to your shows Mm -hmm. which is obviously that I mean just a very simple way of understanding who you are what your voice is to be able to sell it to other people and by sell I don't mean for money yeah I mean for people to buy your Shtick
0: yeah, for people yeah. to buy into you. I mean it in
1: that way. You have to have an associate like,
0: identity. Like, even if you're, some people go into characters or whatever, so it might be a false identity, and that works too. But you can't just be like, I don't know, it's anything. Cause then if you're like, what am yeah, I? Yeah, it's still at? a voice. Yeah. Even
1: if it's a created voice, it's still yeah. like who you are in a different way. So I feel like that's a big part of what we do, salesmanship. And then another part is, of course, psychology. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in a room full of people, you have to be able to. Not only like what I think is fascinating is figure out the group dynamics for the night, which is (laughs) like, what is the crowd? And what is going to be my relationship with them? And then you have to figure out enough individual dynamics Mm -hmm. where you can know who you can do crowd work with, know exactly when to engage someone, when to uh, tell them to shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. You need to know who needs to be bullied, who actually (laughs) just needs to be shown a light on for one second so they can feel special and then they won't talk anymore because you'll shut them down. Like you need to know how to approach so many different personality types. Not to mention the very, like, I mean, I'm. this is just talking about, like, a friendly crowd. What about when you go into a place yeah. and you very much know they don't really want you there or you're really unusual for them, and you know, know how to diffuse that bomb mm-hmm. while still being true to yourself and making them have a good time <laughs> and maybe learn something. Yeah. I mean, those are at least like 10 <laughs> different jobs I just listed that we did in one night, you know? I
0: know, it sounds like a CIA job. It's kind of funny that you mentioned the go- going into a room where everyone hates you because as you were saying that, I was thinking like, that doesn't happen as often, but I actually almost welcome like the ones where you're like, oh, they're just going to not like me no matter what because for whatever reason they decided or they're having more fun hating the. Comedians, sometimes that happens when you're like the audience is having fun hating everyone and in those times I'm just like it's almost more freeing because I do just like I'm not trying I'm still feeding myself and doing my jokes and whatever but and interacting but at a certain point you're almost like oh I know what buttons to press to get them to enjoy thinking that I'm not having fun versus like the worst is to me like I'm gonna use the Bay Area as an example because I grew up there but they're not they're not all like this but sometimes you get the audience that thinks they're a good audience and they really pride themselves in being like I'm a good audience and I'm smart and I know things and they're like there with their arms crossed like impress me that I didn't get that but you must be bad at jokes like that, that kind of thing that's worse for me I'd rather have an audience be like Ugh, we don't like you Asian girl versus like I don't know was that woke like it's like
1: I feel like totally that is kind of the worst thing about LA audiences is because they're so spoiled with how much good comedy they can see on any given night, mm-hmm. um, that their attitude going into a standup show is always impressed me. Yeah. Versus when I tour and I'm sure you experience this too. So many places you go, like if you go to Denver, if you go to, um, Atlanta, which is one I of my favorite it. places to oh, yeah. do comedy, people are so excited yeah. to laugh. Yeah. And it is such a mind fuck when you come back to LA and you're like, oh, they're coming off being like, I saw Joe Rogan at the comedy store yesterday. What do you have?
0: Well, speaking of being able to read the room and talk about things, Sophia, I would like to ask you, is there anything you would like to tell me?
1: Yeah, this shit's going to be lighthearted as fuck. Okay. Um, I have had um, not a lot of people know this, except for my friends. I've had three miscarriages in the last um two years with three different surrogates. Wow, I'm so sorry. Thank you. um but it's also given me a really like crazy incre- like incredible mm. uh, view into like fertility mm-hmm. and um not just that, but just like, human experience because yeah. I've never experienced, um, loss like this. Mm-hmm. And it's also a really weird thing to experience loss through someone else's body.
0: Yeah. Oh, so someone and, else. Okay. Um, I got understand. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So like basically to give a little bit of a background, I, um, I had breast cancer mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And, um, because of that, my breast cancer, since my breast cancer was positive for estrogen mm. and progesterone, it means that um, they had to block my body's ability to make those hormones mm-hmm. so that if there was even a little bit of cancer left anywhere in my body, it wouldn't be feeding on those hormones gotcha. to reoccur. So um, I've been in menopause mm. since um, I've had chemo and radiation and a lumpectomy and like finished my uh, like that part of um cancer treatment now for the next 10 years I am in menopause I take wow. these hormone blockers gotcha. because of that um, I am not it's not recommended that I uh, carry mm-hmm. a baby because you have huge hormone influxes obviously mm-hmm. when you are pregnant and um, there's a large chance that my cancer would come back gotcha and kind of one of the worst things I can think of is having cancer and trying to be a mother. Yeah. I just don't I wouldn't wish that on my child mm-hmm. and I wouldn't wish that on my husband and truly honestly on myself right. um so yeah so uh it's it, it was a wild thing to kind of hear because I was like okay but what how high are the chances of the cancer coming back right and my doctor was like in the high 20s okay. and I was like oh and I was like so like but what if like I get my breast removed she's like no um, there's a high chance it would come back in like the bone or an mm-hmm. organ, so no, that's not really going to help. So H- that's when I had been, to say goodbye um, to that.
0: Wanting to conceive uh, right before you got the cancer, or was it sort of tied into like timeline-wise? Where, yeah, great question. I didn't really
1: think I wanted to have a child. Like I was on the line, mm-hmm. or I thought like, yeah, 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 like I'd want to have a baby. You know, at some like, point. like down the road. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I'll know when I'm ready. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the second I got cancer and had to do, like, an egg retrieval before I started chemo because mm. chemo damages eggs, mm-hmm. that's when I, like, immediately became a contrarian, and yeah. everything about me was like, okay, well, now I want, like, aid babies, yeah. so fuck yourself. <laughs> so I don't know what that's called.
0: Well, you no, know, it <laughs> almost sounds like uh, – it's weird because I was trying to, trying to get at this in a very <laughs> unemotional, cold quiz form online, and would you believe nobody – answered it that way everyone read it as a math problem but the idea is like it's not that you didn't want a baby you weren't at the choice where you were at a or b yet you you have like you had like infinity infinity possibilities some of which involved a baby some of which didn't so you didn't actually go through and eliminate all of them yet but then when all of the baby ones were eliminated then you were like well hold on i want to keep these three Options where I have a baby and I have all the things I want. Because it's sort of that thing where we're told, like, if it comes down to it, I'll give it up for this and this and this. But then when you're asked to give that up before you get this and this and this, it it's different. And I don't think that's contrary. And I think it's just life. Like you aren't always put up against the wall to choose between two things. And if you're asked, like in a broad sense, you tend to pick what you think society will see you as, right? Like a career woman versus versus going around being like, I need to have a family, even if It's not your first priority.
1: I mean, like, before my husband and I, like, got together, even for real, Mm -hmm. I told him, like, yo, like, I might never want to have a baby. And if I don't, like, Mm -hmm. would that be a deal breaker for you? Mm -hmm. And then he was, like... You know, I already love you. Like I've never even met the baby. (laughs) What a
0: great, what a great answer to that. I was like, that's a really good point. (laughs) I was
1: like, fuck that baby. (laughs) Uh, And then, (laughs) the older we were getting, um, then he was like, you know, he's a lot more successful in his Mm -hmm. career than me, and that makes us like financially stable in a way that i never had expected mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. like i grew up poor You see the fireplace in background here.
0: yes I've- no i'm just
1: kidding <laughs> yeah it's nice now right but like you know i grew mm-hmm. up in like ukraine with my mom mm-hmm. just just us we lived in like really poor conditions when we moved here uh we were on welfare mm-hmm. and like cleaning houses and like you know my mom had to slowly learn english to like mm-hmm. become an engineer again and work in computers like you know, I I worked since I was a kid. So I never really, I always just expected to be poor forever. I mm-hmm. don't know if any other, if any poor person really doesn't picture mm-hmm. their way. Like, I know you can dream of a life where you're rich, but I don't mm-hmm. know if if you grew up poor, you really sincerely can picture yourself not being poor. You have
0: to have models. Yeah, it's that weird thing where, cause I see it also in a i don't know what that looks like at that yeah, point i don't unless know unless you have the sense. best friend who happened to like do like you can see all the steps it's it just becomes it's like it, you're used to what you see and in the same way almost like tragically I mean, you get people who are stuck in these like what they consider not doing well like lower middle but so they have so many resources and they're yeah. to really take advantage of everything they have but because in their own little like bubble they are at the lowest they squander those opportunities because they're not really seeing the big picture, but yeah, it's, it's, I strange. mean, uh, it,
1: being, being poor gets embedded in your, in your brain mm. and body and coded in it in a way where like, even when you're not poor, you, your mm. responses are that of yeah. someone who grew up and being poor. So like, you know, I, like my husband, like I said, thankfully does uh, a nice like hasn't it makes a nice living. Mm-hmm. But anytime I get um, a ticket on my car mm. or some other like unexpected expense like that, that's my fault. Mm. I immediately get covered in sweat and I cry. Mm. And that's before like I have to tell myself, hey, Sophia, mm. you know, this is past Sophia responding. Like this is, you know, I immediately start calculating how many hours of work that yeah, ticket is. Wow. Like $69. I'm like, that's two and a, three and a half hours of fucking work. Okay, fuck. And then I'm like, well, now that means I'm gonna have to work. A lot. Like, I start doing the math mm-hmm. before I can tell that myself, you yeah, you don't need to do the math. You're okay.
0: Yeah, wow. But that's it's interesting. encoded, you know? It's, it's, uh, especially the way you called it, like Pat Sophia, like that is, um, I, I feel like you probably do like talk about this in therapy, but like, like in trauma therapy, there's a lot of talk about like you're all the ages you've ever been and it is basically like a trigger response where you go into that pattern and it there's nothing wrong with it because that's literally what you knew and that's probably what kept you like surviving and or you know exactly through those harsh being conditions. incredibly
1: careful with your money never yeah. fucking up all of that is so much pressure but it is what keeps you yeah not living on the street that's how you make enough money to survive yeah so then that just gets encoded in you forever same with my mom she still acts like
0: Hmm.
1: like she's still cleaning houses you know like we're still so like weirdly scarred by it so yeah so uh, one of the things that's been really weird about like I can't carry my own baby uh we're try- we're getting a surrogate through an agency mm-hmm. to do that so we've done this now three times yeah. do you get to meet um, that or
0: I guess you would right or no is it like- yes
1: you you get you kind of like fill out applications that are more like long letters about your family Mm. that include like photos and like what's important to you and like what kind of life you want to give the baby Mm. and for the other family like what kind of life they have what's important to them um why they're doing it you know Mm. so um and then you hopefully choose each other like the counselors help you match, but then you kind of have to say gotcha. yes or no. And then you meet each other and then you make the final decision on like, yes, you know, we'd want to go forward.
0: That does um, seem like it, it, yeah, it takes so much just to get to the point where you say yes, that I can see how emotional it is to even, like before it's even go time, you're like getting your expectations up, you're looking through profiles, you are imag- you have to imagine what it's going to be like for the next nine months with them. Um, so I, I can yeah, really see how, that would become very emotional even before you start.
1: Yeah. But so like one of the things that's fucked up about it is like, so um, we could, we have been able to afford um, doing being, being able to have a surrogate Mm. um, carry our child. And we've been able to afford that three times. Mm. And there's like an insane amount of guilt that comes um, from it Mm. to me. When I think about like, oh, God, like, this would normally be just my misery. Mm. Like, if my body had the miscarriage, the 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 misery would just be shared by me and, like, my husband and our family. But now I'm, like, tainting another person's life with, like, you know, sadness that is just tangential and it's only because of money. So you can really go down wow. this, like, fucking um, spiral when you think about it like that.
0: First of all, that sounds very stressful and I also want to say that I can tell you have a lot of empathy because of the way you're talking about how much you feel for the other person um but also that you know I think the reality is that everybody makes their own choices and they're, they're adults so it's not that you should not feel bad for them but I think um everyone gets sure I mean I didn't trick
1: them into giving reasons. me their rooms, but it does feel fucked no I yeah. know but there it is just a lot feels of fucked up
0: <laughs> yeah I understand but but I, I understand that, um that feeling and I can tell you're very empathetic for thinking about that. But also, yeah, sometimes I wonder because I can tell you're like I, I know from our talking even on comedy quarantine that you really do like put a lot of your action behind your passions. And so I know that like for you, it's not just talking about like, oh, something hard. It's like it's I don't know how to if this makes sense, but that you're someone who like feels empathy in a way that is almost like even if you're going through something, if someone else is also going through something at that same time like you almost like take on theirs in a way that's more than your thing if that makes sense like in this case it's like your baby and, and you know it is nobody would question you being just sad for yourself but the fact that you're also considering all these other that's people, very kind I think, I think what my on. husband
1: said is he said you're too emotional and then I cried <laughs> No, he wasn't blaming me. He wasn't blaming I was just saying like, I don't know, Um, I was talking about how I feel bad for my friend or something. And then he was like, yeah, you know, like you feel, he's like, you feel things a little, you know, deep. He's like, it's beautiful, but it's also like, you know, you're really emotional. And I was like, what do you mean I'm really emotional?
0: (laughs) He did not mean it as a, (laughs) in a way. No, no, no. I know you didn't mean it like that. But in a way, those are both like one is the more analytical, res- like they're both defense mechanisms. Right. Like if like we we're talking about the ticket, like if someone does feel emotional, but knows that they are, they might just start by seeing using reason, and logic. Um, and in a, I don't know if this is like a like a lighter or more optimistic way of looking at it, but in a way where you're talking about, like wanting to become a mother, And a lot of people do want, you know, think about the idea of surrogate. Like, is it the same? It's not, you're not spending all that time. But I do think if you had any doubts, like the fact that you feel this much pain for the miscarriage in someone else's body, I think there should not be a shred of doubt that like you, this is your baby and you know, you're the mom. Because it's this thing you share together and you don't feel disconnected. So I think if anything, you have this testament like... No, you definitely sure do doubt heart it, you yeah, because, like, know,
1: you know, sometimes. people get to connect from, like, day one if it's inside their body. But, yeah, you connect in a different way. Yeah, one mm-hmm. other thing that's been really hard is, like, you bond with the women, you know, and then you, like, you have to break up yeah. with them at the end, essentially. So it's just, like... I've been oh. with the same dude for like 15 years and I just yeah. broke up with three women. I really <laughs> like, it's so hard. Damn. <laughs> I'm like, how are your daughters doing? Is, you know, yeah, I'm like, God, lot. I just want to know. Um, it's a lot.
0: So they all already have families, right? Cause I, this is weird, but I, when I was in New York in my twenties, I got like the, the natural nurse nesting urges like way before I was ready to, ha- I mean, I was like literally had, maybe just lost my virginity a year ago, or whatever. But I started looking up how to be a surrogate because I was trying to game the system because I was like, I, I was feeling baby fever, like in a way where I was like, I know this is nature telling me right now I need to have a baby. And I was like, well, what if I like get it <laughs> over with by like tricking my body and also helping someone? But they always say you have to have successfully given yeah. birth, which makes sense because of the risk. But then I realized like, uh, I can't do this. This is I can't fool my body. I into do I, love I did it. <laughs> your
1: like analytical approach to it though, because that's how I approached losing my virginity. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just was like, oh yeah, what do you mean? No, I was like, I don't want do to do it with trick someone your body I like, into- <laughs> because like I don't want to like it's the first time is gonna be terrible. <laughs> so I just want to be like good before I do it with somebody like I actually mm. care about, and then I like methodically found the person I wanted and like <laughs> essentially tricked them into taking my virginity without them knowing.
0: So. <laughs> Wow. That is actually um the plot of a Oh my Korean god, drama really? Watched, like oh, 10 years ago. Sh- yeah, I mean it's probably like for many reasons problematic now. Probably was then, but it was way more like of a sparsey kind of tone. But it was like this woman who was like very like she's like a businesswoman, independent and very much. At the time when, like, it's still Korea. So they were a little more traditional at the time. And she was, like, looking through all the eligible bach- bachelors of Korea. And there was this one man who was a doctor. And she was like, I want that one. But it, then it turned out he was a virgin. So she, I guess she wasn't, oh, she wasn't trying to lose her virginity. She was trying to have a baby. But then she was convinced she was going to try to have him be the dad accidentally. She was like, I'll just trick this man. How hard could it couldn't be. But he had saved himself. That is hard. Enough pretty silly but uh, no i
1: mean like if he had saved yeah. himself for love at first i was like yeah it is really easy but then he was like no i'm saving myself i'm like damn it but then he was yeah they fell
0: in and love and of course in true korean drama fashion they fall fall in love yeah and then she gets cancer oh my god so I just this is essentially wow. my life dramas are very strangely rearranged <laughs> your life is a korean drama because those are elements of korean drama but um that means I guess you're going to I don't know have like five men at your door with teddy bears and flowers. Wow, tomorrow. that's crazy! I don't know what they do with Korean dramas now? There's always a ton of men and like it's like love hexagon after one woman because it's I guess that's the fantasy they used to have. I don't know if that's still true. When I was in college, I'm I watched intrigued. a lot of these. So uh, clearly, <laughs> <laughs> you can see I was very popular. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, uh, well, I, I could tell like this is all still very, is it fairly new for you? But I know having gone through three, like, do you feel like after every time, like, have you, you were talking about like learning stuff, but what uh, has changed for you in terms of like the process? I mean, I I can't imagine going through that so many times, but also I know you and how strong you are. So I'm, I think um, anyone who has suffered or felt, feels like they can relate might, maybe like your strength can help because I think just, <laughs> knowing you and that you're here it's like obviously you obviously you got through but it's not easy so i don't know how that Um, sort of felt on your end i don't know i
1: think like one thing that people might think is like you just Mm. guard your heart more after each Mm. time that you have you know um a loss but i didn't really end up doing that and maybe i'm more sad Mm than someone else but probably Mm. not and I think that if I had closed my heart more then like I imagine like what if um instead of miscarrying at like three Mm. months the baby was born and was my son I wouldn't want to feel like for like the first Mm. three months of his coming to be a person I didn't want to love him
0: yeah wow that's so powerful but also so true that's really what love is it's um I mean I'm like tearing up a bit because thinking about uh just how hard I I don't know if I fully learned it but I know that's a lesson we're supposed to learn it's like if you truly want to be in that kind of love you know romantic familial anything it's to be fully vulnerable and feel that you can be caught and then that way when you like if you do fall you fall but it's if you aren't actually vulnerable, then you're catching yourself. Then it's, it's not the same. If that makes sense. It's like that paradox where, um, yeah, I don't know, man, you you said it better than I did, but I, I really feel that. And I don't know if it's something I fully have learned in my body. Yeah. But I, I think it's head, like, I mean, it's sense.
1: just, it's an exercise in doing it. Like every time I downloaded the bump app, which is this app, it tells you, you know, when you put in mm. like when you got pregnant, when your baby's going to be due, like what their sign is. Every day it tells you how big they mm. are. Um <laughs> always size. in like fruit sizes or like candy. It's like he's a Reese's pieces. He's the size of an M on an M&M. Um stuff like that and, you know, and
0: Yeah. Aww. So did you know that it uh did you know it was a boy or how far along?
1: Yeah, um it all three of them were boys. You know, um, You know that when you freeze embryos, because that's that's what we did. Um, And they know the sex. And um, basically, it's weird. Before they're even born, before they're even anything, you already know they're boys. So um, yeah, all three of them were boys. The first miscarriage was at about three months. The third one is at about three months. And the second one was um, more at like 12 days or so, which is called a biochemical pregnancy. But, like, who cares? I don't know. They were like, no, it's a different miscarriage. It's soon. (laughs) But, yeah. um, But downloading the Bump app, like, and every day looking at it and, like, thinking Mm -hmm. about him and just all that stuff. Like, yeah, it fucking sucks to delete it. It fucking sucks Mm -hmm. to stop every morning when you reflexively reach to do it. It sucks not to have that ritual. You deeply feel it's lost. But at the same time, like... The joy that I got from that is, Mm -hmm. you know, also really was wonderful. And I know that probably a lot of people wouldn't want to go the route that I'm going. But, I mean, I was really happy to hear two of their heartbeats and to have all the little little pictures and all that stuff. And I'm going to, you know, keep it all probably forever. So I don't want to feel like um there would have been none of those hopes
0: of course
1: you know so yeah uh it's yeah of course
0: because if you had numbed yourself I mean during it and I yeah and I can tell like you truly this you truly are feeling this which is a in a way like it's it's so sad but it's almost like you, you said the opposite if you were to numb yourself and not feel it that would mean if it had come to term you would have spent like half of it like tuning out and not caring which yeah is like yeah that's the that's the kind of strength to be present that you're aware of that because I do think it's um very tempting like we do, we do this on little levels that of things that even don't even hurt us as much as Something like I can't imagine losing a baby, but I have done this for stupid things like not texting back fuckboys. You know, it's like yeah 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 to just act like I don't care so that maybe we'll get married and he can be like wow remember that it was three months that you were a real bitch to me that's really what did it. From it's like huh like at, at what point do you go wait a minute maybe the thing sh- shouldn't be the thing if it's yeah. So I, I really admire that you're able to um, live in your truth even though it's very hard.
1: No, it's it's gross, truly, and it's ugly. <laughs>
0: but you and- process, right? I mean, I I can only imagine that I don't know what your processing um, routine is like, but I think this is something that I've learned in trauma therapy. But it's not that the thing itself is like whenever I'm like, oh, I'm glad I went through this. I don't mean like thank God it happened, but I mean the fact that I did. I have to acknowledge because it it's real, and then to actually process it to then get to a good place, but. I think the not wanting to process comes out of not wanting to have it had happened mm-hmm. and you can't actually erase that. And so if you do process it there, you find this strength that it seems like you're able to like try again. Cause you wanted to, uh, not because you were like stuck in a pattern, you know? And like,
1: yeah. And I think it's also, there are like moments of lightness, you know, mm-hmm. you might not think, but like, you know, I, the first time we got pregnant, Um, you know, I kind of went crazy and got like baby Mm. clothes, even though it was way too early (laughs) and like a bunch of them are like boy related, which I'm Uh not like a big gender person or anything. Uh Um, but you know, it's like a little onesie with like a mustache on it.
0: It's not that a girl
1: can't wear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, and then, um, like I saw some that like I knew would mean a lot to Max who oh. always wanted a little boy so whatever so i i bought some stuff that was boy yeah. related uh despite you know normally what like i'm not gonna dress my baby in baby blue if it's a boy necessarily that's not my mm-hmm. my game but uh i got swayed by some of that fucking <laughs> cute boy stuff and you know now i have a fucking closet i don't go into that has that shit in it which you're like, Wow, that's a sad dead baby closet. But <laughs> how hilarious because the one embryo we have left is a girl. So wow. <laughs> this bitch is gonna be rocking mustache shit and I'm daddy's favorite son and all of that. Cause I'm not like, getting rid of it. And you know, again, some might, people might think that's morbid or whatever. To me, a little girl in a mustache is hilarious.
0: Mm. So, um yeah, it's not morbid people who yeah, I have gotten comments like that about when I talk my made jokes about like my brother's suicide, but it's not because it's funny, but in the same way where you're like, this is your reality. Like, what do they expect you to sit there and be sad all day? It's like, you are pretty sad already. Like it's like the time, the little bits you could make jokes and make light and have fun. Like that's probably where you actually want to connect and share with the world. And that's when people hear you. And that's when they're like, wow how could you make a joke and you're like <laughs> I well, know, do you want to see me cry like 24 hours or do you want to like hear the one joke i wrote today like-
1: i'm like i don't have a baby could i <laughs> yeah. have this joke
0: please fuck yes. you're like are you trying to-? yeah oh my god <laughs> yeah i i, I yeah because i can't understand how- what you feel but i understand that feeling of being like can i just be a person still and like make a joke, even though it doesn't mean I'm okay with everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean moment, and I it think of funny better.
1: shit about it all the time because like every time we got pregnant, you come up with like a little nickname for the thing, mm. and the first one was Little Bean, the second one was Little Koala, uh, the Aww. third one was Little Chooch. And I'm like, oh, I'm running out of things I can call them, <laughs> so it'll be like little toaster or toaster. some shit, <laughs> you know,
0: little vape pen. You're like, vape oh, pen! oh my god, this is
1: not good.
0: I <laughs> so, used yeah. to, I mean, this is like definitely superstitious, baby <laughs> Teresa. But I'd be like, for anything I really wanted that uh, stupid things, like going to a party or whatever, I'd like make stupid bargains with. I wasn't even religious, but it would just be like. God, that I thought existed. I'm like, if you exist, I promise I'll do. But the vape pen thing makes me think of that because I'd be, I'd do things that absolutely no one would ask me to do. But I, for example, I might be like, I'll promise I'll name my kid vape pen. And then just be like, just to see if it happens, I'll do it. <laughs> it's like, no, why? Nobody, nobody's asking you to just, just imaginary
1: bargains to with to no one. This. You're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> You're like, I used to do that. I don't know why. If I get cast in this pilot, I will kick that redheaded man in the face four times. Yeah, Teresa well, they tend of have like,
0: weird morality <laughs> that I self-ascribe to. And I, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm sure it does have something to do psychologically with my mom. But, um, but I, I don't think I put that together. And I don't even quite know what that connection is. But it's just the feeling that, I guess I didn't quite know what rules were So sometimes I'd be like, I do this thing I really don't want to do. That seems like maybe it'll get me something I want. I don't know. Like, (laughs) don't do that, guys. Um, uh, But yeah, wow. Um, But you said you had this was all in the last two years. So how long did you wait in between um, the tries?
1: Um, Well, because it's like not my body. You Mm -hmm. don't really have to wait between tries because it's not the same person. Hmm. you know what I mean so normally you would have to rest between like after a miscarriage for a certain number of months right. before you could try again but since every time it was a different woman like mm. nobody had to rest it was um so we just did it as soon as you know gotcha. we could find somebody and get get matched up and get all the documents done and all of that because it's a lot of like lawyer shit too
0: yeah I see. and then
1: in the middle of all of that we also um attended a bunch of foster to adopt trainings mm. because you know like i definitely wanted to explore like another way also mm-hmm. it's just it means a lot to me to have a baby that's ours because like yeah uh my grandma's pretty much whole family was shot by the nazis to death my grandma died from breast cancer mm. um wow yeah my cousin doesn't have the same last name as as mm. us Um, so I'm just trying to a little bit try to create some sort of a family lineage that still exists past me um, because I want to I don't want the Nazis to win (laughs) I'm
0: very petty (laughs) Um, so that's kind of the main reason but uh, I I know like it's half hyperbole to say like oh this person's not a person yet and I'm not even saying this in a like a medical scientific like not that argument but it I like like it is because it's you, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's the thing people that gets lost when we get too into the politics, which is not the direction I'm going in now. I'm talking like the emotional aspect of being a mother and having a child, and whether you're adopting or whether you're having your own baby, it is that it's you. It's you see your future, you see your family. So, I think um, the idea that you're, you say you're mourning someone who doesn't exist is. I think that it's like a it's like a way to be like oh th- I feel like I'm being ridiculous for having this but I think you know it's not ridiculous because it truly is that you're mourning part of you but the flip side the optimistic side I think is that you are you and you're still you and that you're not like divisible if that makes sense like you c- you have infinite love and infinite you to give like you can love more than one person and it doesn't take away from the other so uh, hopefully I know it's really hard to lose things but hopefully that helps to think it's not like you have a like a limited supply of you like it is going (laughs) to be hard every time but when you do have another you it's you fully it's not like half you you know does yeah. this make sense? I don't know. I've been thinking so much in terms of like the universe and singularity and hopefully I'm not, it's not, this is like to me what's emotional, but sometimes my boyfriend is like, you sound like, like you have no emotions when you talk like this.
1: No, I don't think so. I think you're, <laughs> you sound like you totally have emotions and you're like a deeply empathetic person yourself. Okay.
0: Uh, well, thank you, Sophia, for sharing that. I, I can tell it's very emotional and I'm, um, but I also know that it's something that is, uncommon so I'm I'm glad you were able to share it I hope that it helps listeners who might be going through something similar and maybe um, find some solace in your bravery and being able to speak out thank you
1: for giving me the opportunity to talk about it I've actually not really talked about it publicly at all this is truly like a first time um, and um, I really hope that if anyone's listening and wants to reach out or anything they feel totally comfortable to holler at me on social media
0: Oh, that's so sweet. Um, yeah, and I guess bef- I, we have a final game to just end on on a n- light note, but um, is there anything else you want to add sort of to wrap it up that we didn't touch on, especially since you said you're sharing this publicly for the first time? Is there anything sort of just like, any, I don't know, any closing words or anything like that? Nah, that's okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, dope. Well, uh, it's weird to go into game, but I do like to – I wrote this game for you because uh, I know you like crows or you've been training crows. And I thought it'd be fun to have a specific game to you. So we'll end on this to just kind of have a fun little light note. But um, I don't know if you're still training crows. You were training crows, right? I know. As soon as I got a dog,
1: <laughs> they were like, oh, turns oh, out, I see. Yeah, they were like, I see oh, you, what it we is. see
0: your loyalty. But the thing about crows, which you obviously know this, but for anyone listening who doesn't already know how smart they are, they're very intelligent and they recognize faces. And ever since I heard that, it made me realize like, if you know something about an animal, like we should be thinking of animals like people, not people, but as living things anyways. But I know we don't, even I don't, you know, I've squashed flies without thinking twice and I'm sorry, but also I'm not. But I, I know there's a better version of me out there, but I'm just trying to be honest in that I'm not like, I'm not like, <laughs> hey, a, I know. kill flies too. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying this to be like, cause it's going into this game is, uh, when I realized that they could see recognized faces, it made me start seeing crows differently because i thought wait a minute have i have we met before because if they recognize faces it's not just like oh it's funny they can attack me it's like this person this crow might know me like and if i don't know it i'm at a disadvantage because this crow knows me and if i act like oh it's just a crow it's like well that's on me not them so it inspired this game because there's actually turns out a lot of animals like this turns out animals are probably (laughs) all pretty uh, empathetic and we just lied to our kids but I'm going to read a trait of an animal, and, um, and basically guess what it is. Um, some of these may apply to more than one, but I, I guess I'm specifically referring to one. Um, and then in the same way that I'm like, oh, it changes how I looked at crows. I guess let me know if this would change how you see an animal. Um, if you found out, like, think about just whatever a crow or another animal, if it would change how you feel about them based on these traits okay the first one is this animal actually has is able to learn how to use touch screens like the same ones that humans use seals no that's a good guess though um it is a mammal and it is a mammal that do you eat meat yes that you probably eat oh no (laughs) sorry i didn't mean it to be like that i just oh my realized God. okay 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 you know what <laughs> i'm sorry it really i mean is like it I a just pig? Sometimes is go too, it a pig it is a pig sometimes i go too hard in the okay. truth because it's like i still eat them too but i yeah, didn't no, mean it delicious. like that i'm sorry but yes. no nothing nothing <laughs> has changed nothing has changed yeah but <laughs> it's you know but they can, they can they can they can use touch screens okay um it would probably change the way i like speak to it in the wild but i guess it's already on my plate i'm gonna eat it yeah um this this animal has gone out of their way to avoid hurting a human even when it was difficult such as walking backwards to avoid the human
1: wow that's really polite Mm
0: -hmm. it's a big animal if that helps
1: like a rhino no they charge why would they do that (laughs) close Um, though
0: you're in the right but it's not an elephant it is an elephant it is yeah well because they've also
1: stampeded
0: they have. I f- don't know if they're stampeding to intentionally hurt a human. Oh, or like not trait. on
1: purpose? I thought that they did it on purpose, I They guess. may,
0: but they've also been observed to specifically avoid when they see a human in their path. This is interesting, too, because really this nice. makes them more complex. Just like humans go out of their way to kill humans, humans also go out of their way to save humans. Maybe they're not monolithic.
1: <laughs> wow. Hmm. I fucking love elephants. They're... Yeah. They, like, they cry.
0: They Yeah, they sing, like, a morning songs for their yeah. dead. It does make me see them differently. Not that I see them anyway, but if I were to see one, knowing that they're not all just blanket empathetic and not all just blanket vengeful makes me kind of go, oh, depending on how I treat this elephant, it will treat me differently. Which like, I will be, be hella polite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it always, like, especially,
1: <laughs> but they will be, like, bowing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, okay, this one, similar, but... Based on the community of two of them of the same type of animal experience pain together, their pain level actually increases versus if it's individual.
1: Jeez. Are they in the sea?
0: No. Okay. They're small. Uh Do I like them? I don't know. Their elephant don't like them in cartoons. Mice? <laughs> yeah.
1: I was going to guess mice, but then I was like, why we should we would probably know that about mice, but I
0: guess yeah, they've te- so they've tested that when they're like and it's actually pretty I guess shitty that we're doing this to them. But I guess how much evidence do we need that animals feel pain? I don't know. Um how much pain are we inflicting on these mice? They're doing like shocks and stuff and then they show that the level goes up when it's two together versus one by itself. The more oh, I think about so- it, the more I'm like, can we just start from a place where we think they feel and then <laughs> go backwards like why do we <sighs> but also like why do we need to know that about
1: the mice? I don't They're know, like, it seems oh, like we so can't even agree that The better to torture
0: you with. Like <laughs> it we seems don't like we can even know agree that, that humans feel pain. So, you know, it's like Yeah. Come on. Uh Okay, well, uh, <laughs> I'll end on this final one. This one's a little lighter and it's cute. Um, this animal experiences jealousy, and in this specific case that they found, um, they used a stuffed animal that looked like this animal, and then they did other objects, but when it was the stuffed animal versus like the human paying attention to the stuffed animal, this animal got way more jealous than when it was like just random objects. Was it a dog? Yes. <laughs> Yay! Yeah! <laughs> it's a dog i know and i've seen this in person too because my mom once had a little stuffed animal dog in front of her dog and he went ballistic like he i think he was like in love with it and wanted to be its friend but then we put it on a shelf and he kept trying to look at it and then she got mad that we were like playing with it and she was like she threw it away because was like you're being mean Which she was probably right but we were like he likes it <laughs> so sometimes
1: when i pet another dog in front of my dog my dog <laughs> will like try to get under my hand.
0: Ah. Cuz she's like, "Hey, I'm here too." That's I'm my like, hand. That's my like, bitch That's mine. you
1: didn't even care about me 5 seconds ago. <laughs> That's
0: so funny. Oh man, ah, oh, dogs are so cute. We don't deserve them. Nope. Uh, Sophia, where can people follow you, find you, watch your comedy, all of that?
1: Uh, you can find me at the Sophia S O F I Y A on Twitter and Instagram and you can find my album Father's Day anywhere that you buy stuff please buy it instead of stream it but if you're broke you can stream it
0: buy sophia's album um and follow her online and follow this podcast at tell me anything pod and follow me at larisa t on twitter and instagram oh thank wait you. i oh, forgot
1: yes. sorry oh, yeah i also have two podcasts one about love and sex yes. around the world called private parts unknown and another one about 90 day fiance called 420 day, yeah, fiance.
0: 420 day fiance i so love check that out with miles gray um yes. thank you so much sophia